Hello everyone, good evening to you from Nigeria. It's another Thursday and it's time for a new episode of What Do You Think on Jisale Queen? I am, of course, Sonyoli. Dear Lord, we thank you for this evening. We appreciate all you have done for us throughout the day. Mr. Budal exalted. We ask, Lord, that you divide your word and you let each us listening tonight pick relevance from it. In the name of Jesus, Amen. on the program we saw how Abraham chose to worship God first by building altars for worship before building tents for his own comfort. Tonight we'll continue in our study of Genesis chapter 12 from verse 10 as we take a discourse titled Four Choices. chapter 12 verse 10 I read now there was a famine in the land and Abraham went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe on the previous episode we saw that Abraham got to his destination and the Lord appeared to him as a confirmation but shortly after things took a sudden twist there was famine in the land now Abraham knew it was in the right location. Now, how come this is happening? Why this great obstacle in form of starvation and famine? How contrasting. You see, when he had not yet gotten to the right location, when he was in Aaron, he had he was able to acquire resources, acquire people, but now he's in the promised land and things are going wrong. There are some of us who are so sure that God spoke to us about our marriage, about our career, about our ministry, even about our city of residence. But things are not going the way we expect. And we begin to wonder, did I really hear God well? Was I not better off in my Aaron, the place I chose by sight, than this Canaan where I'm living by faith? Dear listeners and viewers, that challenge you're facing presently is not an indication that you are in the wrong location. Instead, it is a test of faith. God is waiting to see if you will rejoice even when the fig tree does not blossom, just like Abacook. It is possible for you to be in the right direction, to be in the will of God, and yet be faced with difficulties challenges and even disappointments so what then should be our attitude when things like this happen first we need to exercise our faith to stay in god's will we should know that what we are going through is not something uncommon in matthew chapter 7 verse 24 to 28 we see jesus talking about the house on the rock and the house on the sand. Both were exposed to ash conditions in form of winds, 
rain, flood, and storm. But the house on the rock stood firm because it was built on the rock. So as a believer, when you're going through a challenge, know that every other person too is going through that challenge, but how you come through shows on whose foundation you have built your life. Maybe on the rock, which is Jesus, or on a faulty foundation. The other thing is that when we are faced with such situations, we need to seek God's face for direction and counsel. We need to ask God. It's not wrong to ask God, what's next? David asked, should I pursue? If I pursue, will I overtake? So we need to ask God for direction and counsel. And thirdly, we need to believe his word. That's the time for us to search the scriptures and find out what the scripture says. The Bible says, God says, I will not leave you nor forsake you. And that's, what, that's the exact thing he did for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, when they were told to bow, first, it didn't prevent Nebuchadnezzar from building the gold, the gold statue. Neither did it prevent Nebuchadnezzar from seeing them when they refused to bow. God could have chosen to quench the furnace before they were thrown into it. But instead, he permitted Nebuchadnezzar to cut them while they were standing and to also cut them into the burning furnace. And it was at that time that God showed up. He joined them right in the furnace to fulfill his word that I'll be with you in all circumstances. And that was the same thing he did for Joseph. From the pit, Joseph was sold, resold, framed, and eventually jailed. But through it all, the scripture says that God was with Joseph. The Lord wanted to know if Abraham would return to Aaron. That was the familiar terrain, where he had gathered resources, even though it was not within the divine location. Or will Abraham press forward? Well, Abraham chose to go down to Egypt for a while. He went down to Egypt in the opposite direction of where he was coming from so that he would not be tempted to go back to Aaron. God allowed him to go through Egypt to sojourn, to live there for a while as a foreigner not to dwell. Now, when God wants to hide us from trouble, he'll take us to a place of sojourn and we must keep in mind so that we don't begin to dwell in a land of sojourn and that is why we need to be sensitive we need to understand the difference between temporary shifts and permanent shifts in our life and ask god for the right attitude during each type of shift
Genesis chapter 12 verse 11, it says, As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. Say, you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. When they got to Egypt, Abram did not build a tent, and he also did not build an altar. So that would imply there was probably no form of worship when he got to Egypt. He did not acknowledge or invite the presence of God. No wonder he was emboldened to plan a scam for Pharaoh in collaboration with his wife, Sarai. Life can present a married couple with tough choices. Do you take the promotion at work if it means traveling with business associates that have no scruples, that do not share the same values that as you do? Do you keep having lunches with your friends of opposite sex even if your spouse feels uncomfortable with it? So it was with Abram and Sarai. Famine in the land put them into crisis. Move or die of starvation. So the couple relocated to Egypt in search of food. But Abram made some poor choices there. built an altar when he got to Egypt. Secondly, Sarai was so beautiful that she was sure to attract the attention of Egyptian rulers who wouldn't hesitate to kill Abram for his wife. So Abram told his wife to say she was his sister. Although what Abram told Sarai to say was partly true, after all, Sarah was indeed his half-sister, according to Genesis chapter 20, verse 12. But at that moment, Sarai was no longer Miss Sarai Sarah. She was now Mrs. Sarai Abram. Abram had an intent to deceive. Half-truth, partial truth, white lies, diplomacy are all lies. That plan of deception was born out of jealousy. Abraham taught his wife to lie, and probably his servants too. I mean, the Egyptians may see Abraham and Sarah in an awkward position, and they go to Eliezer, the chief servant. You said this master is not married. Oh, no, oh, indeed he's not married. Oh, no. They are really brothers and sisters. So it, it moved other persons along in that thing. The man that was not scared to go to an unknown location was now afraid of death 
on account of his wife. He was willing to expose his wife and Pharaoh to sin. According to the prevailing pattern for women in that era, Sarah had no say about the arrangement. But how do you think she felt about a husband who feared more for his own skin than for her life? Ephesians chapter 5 verse 24 to 28 explains the role of wives and husbands. The wives are to submit while the husband is to cleanse her by washing her with water through the world, making her holy and blameless. That is how husbands are taught to love their wives. But that was not the case with Abraham. Men these days are quick and easy to remind their wives of the need to submit according to this. It's all about chocolate and flowers. It's doing what Christ will do. Cleaning up and nourishing and making holy. But instead, Abraham was willing to rub his wife in the mud. And that is why the relationship between Christ and the church should be our ideal template for marriage. We move on to Genesis chapter 12, verse 14 to 17. And when Abraham came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that Sarah was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And she was taken into his palace. As Abraham predicted, that's my own words, he treated Abraham well for her sake. And Abraham acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abraham's wife, Sarai. Sure enough, at first, the Egyptians praised Sarah to Pharaoh, and she was taken into Pharaoh's palace. But God rescued Sarah out of that difficult situation by afflicting Pharaoh and his family with such serious diseases that Sarah was sent back to her husband. And Abraham even got to keep the livestock and servants he had acquired in the process. One thing struck me, after that event, there was no record of Abraham apologizing to his wife. The problem with never saying you are sorry after wronging your spouse is that you are then inclined to repeat the behavior. That's exactly what happened. Some years later, Abraham once again passed off his wife as his sister, this time to Abimelech, king of Jerah, in Genesis chapter 20. 
believe that the negligence of Abraham to build an altar was also a contributing factor to his poor choice. And just as he didn't say sorry to his wife, there was no record of him asking for forgiveness from God for that issue. Dear viewers, the scripture is impartial in revealing the faults of our celebrated sin. Some weeks back, we saw how the obedience Noah got drunk and his imperfection was revealed. Here tonight, we see the faithful Abraham being untruthful. Why? It is for us to learn that either thinks it stands should take it lest it falls. Well, you may say that mercy prevailed in the life of Abraham. Yes, but that does not mean that God supports such actions. The fact that God has forgiven you does not automatically delete the consequences of your actions. That single life became a generational issue. Because years after that, Isaac also did the same with his wife Rebecca. She passed him off as a sister, and this time there was no link between them. For Sarah, she was really Abraham's half-sister. Now for Isaac, there was no element of truth in it. And by the time it got to the grandson of Abraham, Jacob, Jacob was a, was a liar and even a cheat. So, would you decide to keep on doing wrong and open for God's mercy? Or you will decide to be truthful and stay on track? choices that Abraham made affected the future of his offspring. Summary, I hope we have learned from Abraham's life that our choices have long-lasting effects. To deal with poor choices, what do we have to do? Well, we should own up to any misdeed towards God or man. Deal openly and quickly with the sin. Come clean with each other and with the Lord. Ask each other for forgiveness and ask God for forgiveness. Then resolve not to repeat the offense. In my opinion, the absence of an altar predisposes one to poor choices. What do you think?
Dear Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for opening our eyes to see the faults of those that have gone ahead of us so that we may learn from their lives and not repeat the same mistakes. Lord, we ask for the grace, faith, and boldness to make the right choices even in the face of difficult circumstances. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks to everyone for joining. Thank you, my dear producer, Emmanuel. Turntables is available in print and it's just 500 naira per copy. And if you prefer the e-version, you can visit Amazon stores for your copy. After now, the podcast of this episode will be on Anchor FM. And kindly subscribe to our Telegram channel for updates. Please send your opinions and comments on all our social handles. And until we meet next time, I am Okwe Sanyolu. Stay blessed.